Want to help your teachers save over 10 hours per week? Introduce them to School AI. It's not just a tool, it's a partner in the classroom. With School AI, teachers can plan courses in minutes, get real-time learning data, and provide one-on-one tutoring. Plus, it's free for teachers. Visit SchoolAI.com today. School AI, the classroom operating system of the future. That's SchoolAI.com. Focal Point K-12 is an innovative tool that helps teachers and students manage student portfolios. It provides a digital portfolio for students to store their work, set and track their own learning goals, and earn credentials and industry certifications. The platform also uses blockchain technology to ensure the security and safety of student data. Teachers can use Focal Point K-12's real-time dashboards to track student progress and save time with AI-assisted scoring. To learn more, visit focalpoint.education. Principles. Research shouldn't be a maze for students. Scribble offers a unified platform streaming the research and writing process. It integrates with major educational tools, ensures authentic student work, and provides educators with real-time insights. Elevate your school's academic rigor. Learn more at scribble.com. That's S-C-R-I-B-L-E dot com. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am very excited to have Brett Jacobson on the program. I should say I'm very excited to have Dr. Brett Jacobson on the program. He's the CEO of the Mount Vernon School, Mount Vernon Ventures, and Mount Vernon Online, the global online campus. He started at Mount Vernon in 2009. They have about 1,250 students, and they did a lot of amazing, innovative things. And so Dr. Jacobson launched a transformation R&D consulting company known as Mount Vernon Ventures which partners with schools throughout the world. And then in August 22, as a part of that, they released uh, Mount Vernon Online, which is an online high school. And now they have kids in every grade with that. Uh, Brett, welcome to Transformative Principal. Thankful to have you here. Well, honored to be here. Thanks for having me. So um, what is it that people can look most forward to from our conversation today? I think it kind of uh, gives an in-depth sort of look behind the curtain a little bit into a model that is not so common in the education ecosystem. And yet uh, it's not as if we're these unique unicorns over here in Atlanta. It's uh, the timing of 2009 really pushed us to be the most creative, innovative possible to really move a a school forward that was really in a startup position. So you just get a little bit of behind the scenes and and you get to hear about our evolution uh, as a school and how we begin to partner with others around the world. Yeah, I like that. I think for me, the thing that I was, that I like the most about it is how we talk about what is possible and how somebody can find new ways of doing things within their own setting, regardless of what their setup actually is. And 
I think that that uh, gives hope to people and hopefully people who are not independent schools, but are regular public schools will see a way that they can start creating something meaningful within their own systems. Uh, so I will get to my interview with Brett here in just a moment. Time is a precious commodity. As a principal, you know this all too well. Between lesson planning, grading, and providing personalized feedback, the hours in a day can quickly disappear. What if you could help your teachers get some of that time back? Introducing School AI. School AI is not just a tool, it's your teacher's partner in the classroom. Help your teachers save over 10 hours a week on busy work, allowing them to focus on what they do best, teaching. With School AI, teachers can plan courses in minutes, get real-time data on learning, and even provide one-on-one -on -one tutoring for every student. School AI also provides a FERPA-compliant chat GPT experience. But that's not all. School AI's co-teacher feature is like a personal assistant, adapting daily lessons to student interests, checking for understanding, and even automating parent communication. And the best part, it's free for teachers. So if you're ready to reclaim your time and transform your school with the power of AI, visit schoolai.com today. School AI, the classroom operating system of the future. Visit them at schoolai.com. All right, Brett, thanks so much for being here. And could you start by telling us about the three different ventures that you've got going on with Mount Vernon and, and how those all work together? Well, thanks for having me on the podcast. Honored, honored to be here. The school itself was established in 1972. And, and, uh, throughout that time, it was this preschool eight school and, and eventually added a grade level each year. And in the early 2000s, it, the school leaders at the time decided to build a high school. And so I think we're in our 16th or 17th graduating class at this point. Uh, I came in 2009 here in Atlanta to the Mount Vernon School. Um, but, but during that time, we've experienced a pretty transformative period. Now, you know, this was the recession in 2009 with, in Atlanta. And Atlanta was hit pretty hard by the recession. So to build a high school in any economy is challenging, but to do one, especially in a very competitive market, but to do one in a recession, you know, that's a whole nother dynamic. So it really forced us to be as creative as possible. And uh, matter of fact, we felt like we were this startup company and we began to utilize the blue ocean strategy, a Harvard press study, as you may know, as a way to create our own niche in a market. And this niche itself was not just to create a compelling product, but one that was maybe best for this generation of students at the time I had a one and a three-year-old. So, you know, it, uh, it made, it made sense not only to pursue an innovative educational approach, but at the same time, it allowed us to create a niche in a pretty competitive market. So since then, because of that niche, we begin to have schools throughout the country saying, what are you doing? And can we come and see what you're doing? And we begin to have so many visitors at the school that we felt like, um, we were giving more tours than serving our own community. So we were walking towards all these people who are excited about what we're doing, but we we're walking away from some of our, our programming. So we began to rethink that a little bit and, um, and how best could we, you know, uh, support those that were interested in our work, but also 
make sure that uh, we maintain our, our focus, you know, on, on the school. Well, over the last decade, the school itself has grown by 60%. And in 2023, we find ourselves really at capacity or over capacity. Uh, and so because of that transformative growth that, that took place, um, we, during that decade, we've launched two different other entities, a part of the, what I would call the Mount Vernon school ecosystem, the organization itself. So you have the day school, the preschool through 12 school right here in Atlanta on two different campuses, right across the street from each other. But around 2012, without any building or anything else, we just, we launched what is now called Mount Vernon Ventures. And Mount Vernon Ventures has four particular areas of focus. One is around consulting with other schools. So like you might hire a consultant to help out a, your particular school, your respective school. Schools began to hire us to do their consulting work around strategy and innovating programs and transforming teaching experiences, uh, brand identity. And so we've worked with schools all across the country and even uh, internationally. And part of the value proposition around that is really that we're current practitioners leading change. So we're not trying to necessarily replicate ourselves, but what we know is, is that we can be really empathetic to all of those challenges as one begins to trailblaze and pioneer and try to innovate even around the edges. So, uh, we want this to be as accessible and approachable as possible. And it doesn't necessarily have to be revolutionary because one thing you need to know about our approach, even at the day school or how we approach ventures and working with clients is, is really around, you know, what is your innovation intention? Are you trying to modify what you're doing? Um, are you trying to transform by replacing one approach or methodology with the other, or are you trying to disrupt sort of what, we call school today and you can function in all of those. Now there, one's going to cost you more, uh, in so many different ways. One's going to take more time and energy. Uh, but, but even focusing just on modifying what you're doing can really be a snowball effect for greater momentum and movement forward. So, so we work with a lot of schools around consulting. In addition, uh, ventures really works on developing uh, products and tools that are really accessible and courses for uh, educators and executives, executive uh, leaders. So uh, we have a number of uh, products that we produce. Um, in, in addition to that, uh, we have a kind of a business development division. So in other words, Malberta is looking at different market segments that exist out there and, and therefore, how can we benefit the school, especially if the school is at or over capacity. And so two years ago, we launched Mount Vernon online. So Mount Vernon Ventures as a business development idea, launched Mount Vernon online. And it's an asynchronous, uh, uh online high school. And, uh, as we move into the 23, 24 school year, we have students at every grade level and that's great. But, uh, but you're going to see that online in the future for us will create multiple pathways uh, that are going to be really accessible for students, not only in our country, but throughout, throughout the world. And I can get it, I can get into pathways and big box stores, you know, uh, and as yeah. we find ourselves in a little bit. <laughs>
Yeah. So this is, this is just so exciting. So, yeah. um, let me, let me take it back just a second. Okay. Um, number one, the idea, what is your innovation intention is, is really powerful because some yeah. people, um, don't have that defined just yet. And they really, they really should. And, uh, this makes me think of a, another podcast that I was recently on, uh, with David Richards that I think you should, should probably be a guest on as well and be good to okay. connect with him because, uh, I think you would find that a lot of things align quite nicely. But, um, the, the other thing about this idea is that you took this idea from business of a blue ocean strategy, which, um, the, what, what that looks like is uh blue ocean strategy is going where there's not a lot of competition where you have right. you're defining your own market. Um, yep. uh, Taro, uh, I forgot his last name. The guy who, who created four Sigmatic, he talks about it as you're combining two different things that are not usually combined to yeah. create that, uh, four Sigmatic makes, uh, mushroom coffee. And so that was, that was mm -hmm. his blue ocean where there's a lot of coffee drinkers, but there's not a lot of mushroom coffee drinkers. And mm -hmm. so he created that mushroom coffee and, and is now like a, a multi hundred million dollar brand, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and really powerful. Mark. So talk a little bit more about that blue ocean strategy and what yours is specifically. Yeah. My favorite example from that is Cirque du Soleil. Is that, is it high art or is it uh, a circus? And maybe it, it's a little bit of both without the animals. Um, and so if applying that to our situation, again, re remember context is really important. So this is 2009. We only had a couple of graduating classes and in knowing our market space is that, um, we don't want to be known as a traditional school and there are great traditional schools in this town and we're doing amazing work and really knocking out park based on their mission. And then there are progressive schools in town and they're doing really amazing work and knocking the ball of the park related to their mission. So we didn't want to be known as a traditional school or a progressive one. And this was a moment where interestingly enough is how do you shape the narrative around your brand? Cause in most, in, in most all cases, a brand is an expression of what people, people feel, what they say about you, et cetera. So you're kind of fronting, you know, what that, that narrative is. So we didn't want to be traditional progressive. We wanted to be known as an innovative school. And interestingly enough, when I typically ask people who I haven't come in contact with, what are two or three words you would, how you would describe them, Vernon? Typically 99 time, 99% of the time, innovation is the first word mentioned, which is a really interesting di uh, uh, dynamic. And so we just took that position of, of saying we want to be known um, as an innovative school because we believe that this would be what would be best for kids. But it also hold us accountable uh, to, to the work. And yet, um, because if we were to build a high school in the city, if we even, if we did everything everybody else did, which there's some tenants of that that are really good, we would lose every time. In other words, we would be fighting the red ocean. We'd be fighting over all the AP, you know, the APs and small class size and security, safe environment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We would lose in the red ocean of, of that. And so making sure that we reached a particular bar was really important, but saying, how can we carve out our own? And that I tell you 
I wish I still had the sheet on the, the large sheet on the wall that we wrote on that sort of said all that. But, um, you know, now I look back on it, it was a pretty bold sort of uh, position. I always say naivete has gotten me, I guess, far uh, in life and very naively sort of said, we can help redefine the market. And, uh, and I think, I think we have, um, and it's just, and, and yet I think at the end of the day, more than anything, it's been best for kids. Um, and, um, because we have a very multi-sensory, uh, approach to education. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's really great. Picture this, a student drowning in tabs, tools, and notes, struggling to piece together a research project. Sounds familiar, right? Now imagine all of that streamlined under one roof. That's Scribble. Scribble is more than just a tool. It's a game changer. Students can curate, annotate, cite, and write all in one place. Collaborative annotations, check. Automatic citations, check. Real-time feedback for educators, you bet. And the best part is it's not just about making tasks easier, about freeing up time for higher-level learning and critical thinking. Are you worried about AI plagiarism? With Scribble, students show their authentic work process, making it genuine and credible. And I mentioned it won the Soup's Choice Award for College and Career Readiness. So if you're ready to transform the way your school approaches research and writing, head over to scribble.com and see the magic for yourself. That's S-C-R-I-B-L-E.com. Let's talk about why you specifically started Mount Vernon Ventures, how that ties into the funding of your school mm -hmm. and things like that, because that's the other unique aspect of what you're doing that mm -hmm. not everybody's thinking about. And listeners of this show have heard me say for nearly a decade now that we need to do what we can to, uh, to be in charge of our own funding rather than being at the mercy of legislatures or, uh, tuition payments or, or property taxes or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, so, so talk about how that how that came to be and what that means for your, for your bottom line, for your school. Yeah, I would say specifically in the independent school marketplace, this is where, uh, I have the greatest level of expertise and knowledge, but, but speaking in that environment, um, you know, comparing to others, you know, we weren't a hundred years old. We didn't have this large endowment. Uh, and so there's a level of non-tuition revenue that you have to rely on from a business model. And typically in schools, it would be, you know, like an after-school program, maybe a summer care, you know, just different things like that. And so, and, and those are all great and good. And those can be, you know, um, revenue generate, non-tuition revenue generators, uh, for sure. Our, our coffee bar in our new unique high school <laughs> building is called ground floor coffee. I mean, it, it's, um, in and of itself, ground floor coffee makes a tremendous amount of a reinvestment back into the school uh, because students are ordering frequently off an app to get uh, what they want or need. But um, but we began to think what externally, how could we really expand and reinvest back into the school? And so it was just some synergy between we have all of these people who are wanting to come and see our school if who needed support and help and therefore how could we turn that into position 
of supporting people in leaders in school communities and reinvest that back into the school that we serve. And so, you know, those just happen nicely. And so just really thinking externally outside of the internal dynamics of the school on the backs of our own community, because even an after school program, if paid for, which we have called Playmaker, that's still on the backs of our current families who are, who are doing that in that. And yet, how can we do this with people outside of that? So that's also from a Melbourne and online standpoint, while it is tuition technically at the moment, I'm going to call that non-tuition revenue because it's beyond the day schools sort of a revenue uh, increase, but, um, but that allows us to reinvest back into our teachers, reinvest back into our students, reinvest back into our programs um, at the school by, by identifying another market segment that has low overhead and then be able to uh, build momentum and increase. Because if I have five students, but what if I had 50? And then what if I had 5,000? Like that's, that's incredible. And yet, um, um, but I think part of the movement, which we can get into later is, is, um, is how do we create multiple pathways, entry points and exit points? Cause most of our school communities, we have one entrance and one exit. Um, and yet while COVID identified the pandemic identified human connection was even more important than ever. It also revealed a greater level of flexibility to multiple pathways that people are seeking. And they want to enter the building in many ways and they want to exit the building in many ways. And some of that is not just the physical space, uh, but the online space um, that, uh, that you may uh, be providing. Yeah. So maybe, what was it? Seven, eight years ago, I interviewed John LaFoon, who's a, at the time was a principal in Arkansas. And he talked about how they eliminated their substitute teacher budget because they created these different, um, these different ways for students to access the class. And so what would happen is if a teacher was absent, the, everything was done through a learning management system. But the more important thing was that if the teacher was absent, the students knew what they were working on, knew what they needed to accomplish. And instead of creating lesson plans, the teacher basically said he made sure that kids all had what they needed to be doing during that time period. And the mm -hmm. school said, anytime a teacher is not here, everybody in that class goes to this central location where we have supervision, which is really what the, the number mm -hmm. one issue is when there's not a teacher. And so they solved that problem and saved themselves $25,000 a year on their mm -hmm. sub budget just by saying, this is the approach that we're going to take. And so what you're saying is, if I understand correctly, is maybe somebody wants to take all their classes at your high school or at their own high school, but maybe they want to, uh, they have a job and so they want to yep. be done with school at two o'clock instead of three o'clock and work on an independent asynchronous class uh, in the evening and be mm -hmm. able to take that class through you without having to completely unenroll from their regular high school or your high school and and do things differently. Is that the gist of of what you're saying there with these pathways? Well, I, I think, I think there's, 
yeah, I think there's that. I think, hey, I, I want to increase uh, my math opportunities. Maybe, I don't know, do I want to graduate early? Um, maybe I want to have an internship uh, here or there. But also, I think context for this is important too, is that, you know, what's interesting about the online market space, it's pretty crowded and it's much more crowded than I guess I anticipated. But I think what I would say differentiates ours a little bit, even though it's asynchronous, is we have these learning outcomes that we've developed um, at the school, but these learning outcomes are explored through an inquiry-based model. So even in an asynchronous scenario, you know, we explore these learning outcomes through design thinking, through project-based learning, through visible thinking routines, and then we assess students on levels of proficiency. So we're a competency-based system. Uh, we do give uh, alpha grades. We live in a Hope Scholarship world here in, here in Georgia, but, but we convert those competencies into alpha, but we are competency-based system. And so from a even in an asynchronous environment, we want it to be multi-sensory. So multi-sensory is going to lead, lean into uh, an inquiry-based approach. And I think that's what's particularly Im important. I mean, I watched my own daughter who completed a summer course, by the way, is another pathway. Uh, she completed a physics course. And, you know, that's a, that's a challenging course you know, to do, you know, even uh, asynchronously. But I watched as a parent, just watch her, you know, this multi-sensory sort of dynamic that was, uh, that that existed. Also, we look at Lego bricking courses too, because, you know, some courses aren't going to be taught in sequence or they don't need to be. Uh, biology is a good example of that. Uh, that's not necessarily going to build on itself. So with our mod system, you might take that in the first mod and then you might take it in the third or fourth and you might then take it towards the end of the year and you're Lego bricking this concept. So even within the school, we're giving you even other pathways to enter and exit, uh, than just taking something in sequence, just because that's the way in which we've always done it. Uh, tell me about your mod system approach. What is, tell me more about that. Yeah. So, so we have these, uh, which this is not innovative in and of itself, but we have these nine week, you know, sort of, uh, uh scenarios and they only take, um, they take about four courses, uh, uh, during a mod. So they're, they're taught longer. Uh, they're more intense. They're more in depth. And so, you know, within that, um, we also believe from a mental health standpoint that we want them to participate in arts and athletics although arts and maker design and engineering is an integrated part of what yeah. we do at the school. In fact, it's a foundational course uh, uh, in our high school, but we're running, but you'll see kindergartners with a handsaw and you'll see, you know, uh, seniors too. But, um, but we want them to be able to participate in multiple things in and out of school. And so we run these mod courses that, um, uh, that are more interdisciplinary than anything. So think of more humanities and, and STEM uh, than just one, up and down, you know, English 101. And we have all these creative names for these courses. Uh, nothing is called English 1 or English 2 or anything like that. But, um, uh, but this mod system allows 
even choice within it and greater flexibility. Uh, and it's really a, a focus of only a certain amount of courses um, at, at one time. And what we're finding with this mod system is that kids are, students are continuing to move forward in their math uh, requirements. That has put a problem where we're having to have more math courses at the back end of their high school career because they're fulfilling all of them earlier. Um, and so do you have the flexibility or there are other pathways to really support students in that particular approach versus saying, oh, well, you're a senior, so you're either going to take Cal, uh, BC or AB, like, you know, that that's what's there. Well, we may, this, the sequencing may be accelerated, uh, because you have a choice. There's some voice and choice around that acceleration. Yeah. I, and I think that is just incredibly powerful there. It, the, the situation that my daughter who's going into 10th grade right now is experiencing is that, uh, for her to take a specific AP course, she will only be able to take it this year or not at all because it's only offered every three years and, um, and couldn't take it as a freshman. And so it's like, is it really worth it to take it as a sophomore or not? And those, those kinds of things arise, you know, in every school to some extent, because they, because of how they have to structure things. So, you know, she had, uh, she had a class or she will have a class her senior year, which will be AP Spanish, whatever. I don't even know what it is. Cause she's been doing Spanish for so long. And, uh, the class that that had last year only had three students in it and it was co-scheduled with, uh, another Spanish class. And like, those are mm -hmm. real issues that, that we have to deal with. And when there are different ways to approach it, then it makes it, um, makes it possible for students to have access to the, the things that they're interested in, not just the things that the school is capable of providing, uh, right at that time. And, and so I think that's really interesting. Um, I want to swing us back a little bit to the Mount Vernon Ventures piece because we didn't talk much about the, the funding back into your regular school piece, uh, as much as I wanted to. So I wanted to ask a little bit more <laughs> about that and how, how that works. So for example, the thing that we were originally planning on talking about is this R and D report around artificial intelligence that you publish that you yeah. sell for $13. Um, and tell us why you sell that rather than giving that away for free and how that, uh, supports Mount Vernon school. Yeah, no, 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 that's a, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think when we first started, w we did a lot of open share just as other, you know, educators, uh, do, um, we ventures now has, you know, we have remote employees formally at, they've been formally, um, members of our, our team and they moved away and we don't want to lose them. And so, uh, we, uh, we've been able to incorporate them, you know, on our, on our team. But the thing is, is that when you, when you get involved, when the last component that I didn't mention, and I'll get, which we'll get to your question is, well, we work on consulting and, and business development, uh, and those sorts of things. We also, we also are heavily involved in, in R and D work and, uh, that supports the Mount Vernon school but also support schools, you know, outside of, outside, 
in, in the education ecosystem. And so there are people, when you produce an R&D report, I mean, they're extensive, it's extensive evidence-based research that goes into it. And so we're producing quarterly reports. This, our, this uh, AI R&D report from this past summer, I don't know, has over Jared Cauley, the lead contributing author of it, there's over 113, you know, citations. And really there are probably, you know, 90 uh, different evidence-based resources in it. So it takes a tremendous amount of time and effort to put, to do this. We uh, obviously plop it into the Mount Vernon school ecosystem and say, um, and by the way, we're agnostic. So we're like, Hey, however school, how would you want to incorporate this? Uh, but then also how it can be accessible and approachable to others. So um, while we do charge for, for that, it, ha- it just helps us for some of these smaller products like R&D, you know, $12.99 really demonstrates where you're not making a lot of money off of that, a lot of revenue off of it. Uh, it helps us recoup some of some of the costs. But, but what happens is these R&D reports, because they're accessible and approachable, uh, there are schools who want to go deeper into an engagement uh, with, the, with the school. And it allows us from a consulting standpoint to go as a platform in order to do that. And so the products themselves that you're going to see on our site, you know, are, um, they are there to help support the education system and just kind of replenish, um, the work that is required to go into into it. But, you know, it's when you, when ventures launches Mount Vernon online, as an example, it has its own tuition based system. And so while Ventures technically isn't getting the credit for the enrollment, you know, uh, uh, numbers for that and the revenue that's coming from it, um, it reinvests back into the school, but Ventures is the one who births it. And so Ventures is about birthing business opportunities that expand the Mount Vernon ecosystem. Um, and again, I know we're talking about revenue, this, this concept or these ideas are not being driven by, uh, by this revenue approach. What we know is that we've had to look beyond our internal system because of not being a hundred years old, not having generational sort of, uh, families at the school, uh, as you would find in many independent schools, we've had to seek outside external resources as a help to support the work we're doing, because I have to tell you, this is the most meaningful work I've ever been a part of, but it is the hardest work that I've never been a part of. And it requires more people. It requires many more people to provide a level of support when engaged in the arena of innovation. Um, and, uh, because we were not trained this way in terms of teaching and learning. Uh, one, we know more about the brain. Uh, we know more about that dynamic, but we also are, are training and investing professionally in our teachers, in our professionals at the school, one to advance their social capital, but also to really reinvest back into the students. And we were just not trained around instructional rounds in project-based learning, design thinking, visible thinking routines. This level of research and innovation, uh, we weren't, so we've spent time doing that. And that just has required 
more to support. And so, um, and so ventures, whether it's a product or a program or, or birthing something like Mount Vernon Online, it's just really going back and supporting the level of investment required to support an innovative environment. So it's not as if there's a lot of shiny objects, you know, sitting around because we're making all this money. And that is, that is, I wish that were the case. That is not the case. Yeah. It is a, is a, is a grind in 2023 as it was a grind in 2009. Uh, we just have a broader network than we, than we did then. So it, it just takes a lot to support an innovative environment and the, the dollars from it just really helps support that. So this is not a money hungry sort of position. It's just really supporting the hard work that's required to do something um, like this. Yeah. I, I mean, that makes total sense, Brett. And anybody who's been in an innovative school or a change maker school or some, some school that's trying to do something different recognizes how much it costs in energy and time and money and everything. So uh, last thing I'd like to ask you is what do you see as the future? Where do you see um, Mount Vernon Ventures going? You mentioned that you have three uh, entities within this uh, portfolio. What do you see in the future? What are you looking forward to? Well, I think that uh, if you were to interview me a decade from now, I think you would probably see more than than three uh, that exist now because part of you know ventures is to from a business development standpoint is to identify market segments. And again, it's not it's yes, revenue is involved, but it's less about revenue. It's about creating more pathways for students. And and so I think that's what you're going to see over the next decade is is multiplying the number of pathways that students can enter and exit our ecosystem. Now, I can't be too specific right now because we are in the process of working that out. And, and um, um, so unfortunately, I can't, you know, amplify that too much. But I would have to say that if you were to interview me a number of years from now, there would probably be more than three that we would be talking about. And, and they would look very different than the three we've talked about today. They would not be similar. They might be some overlap, but, uh, but they would not be similar to the ones we've described today. Okay. Well, I'm going to take that as an invitation to have you back in a couple of years and continue For documenting sure. this process, uh, every, every couple of years as we're going forward, because this is the kind of stuff that I think sure. is just so fascinating. So. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about Mount Vernon School, Mount Vernon Ventures, or Mount Vernon Online, the links to all of those are in the show notes. Uh, but you can start by going to mountvernonschool.org. And Brett, thank you so much for being part of Transformative Principle today. It was just awesome having you here. So thank you. Well, I'm honored to, to, to have been a part of the conversation and look forward to more in the future.